Well, good morning. What a blessing it is to have each and every one of you. As you guys heard on the video, we are starting a brand new series this weekend. It's called Burning Love and super excited about it. You know, um, I don't know that we intentionally did it, but the month of February is kind of known as the month of love for some weird reason. Who knows what that reason is? I think you, if you're married or you're uh, in a relationship, you'll find out on February 14th whether or not you do know uh, why it is the month of love. But we start and engage in a whole new series called Burning Love this weekend. And it's really just a series on growing in our love toward God and growing in our love for people. You know, we're going to get into this. We're actually going to read in the Word of God where Jesus, from his own mouth, admonishes us as his followers um, and as believers and followers of Christ uh, to do both of those things. And we think it's absolutely incredibly important to be able to run after that. And so we're going to open up the series this weekend as a campus pastor weekend uh, and just jump right in to what it means to do those things, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, here's the reality, though, of the situation. I realize that immediately, maybe even when you heard what we were talking about um, last weekend, maybe you came and you saw it on the video, the idea that we're talking about a series called Burning Love, or maybe you heard it for the first time this morning here during this service, I realized that that word love is a very broad uh, broad word with a lot of understandings in all different ways based upon many of your experiences uh, in life. You know, our experiences when it comes to love are things that very greatly affect our thoughts about and toward love. Some of those are really good things. Some of, some of you, when you hear the word love, you, you feel really good about it. And some of you, whenever you hear the word love, there's a painful thing in your heart there. Um, and, and, you know, I, I know that there are some of you guys in this room, even when I say that we're starting a new series called Burn in Love, that you think in your mind, Pastor Marcus, what has love got to do, got to do with it? <laughs> what is love but a sweet old-fashioned notion? And I get you. I understand. I think love is a, a word that, that goes um, and transcends dates and time, but it's something that's existed from the beginning of humanity. And I realize also some of you guys, um, you have a different experience. And, and maybe you think, you think, Pastor Marcus, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. <laughs> and I get it. I understand. I realize with love comes pain. But some of you, I also know that You've rightfully divided this understanding in your minds. You've rightfully captured the heart of even what God was saying in his word that we're about to jump into here in just a second. And you think specifically about your love towards God. You think in your heart, and I, 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 uh, I will always love you. Ooh, ooh, I will always love you. And I'm right there with you guys because that's the way I feel about God and that's the way we want all of us to feel about God. We want that burning love for God that sings that passionate song like Whitney Houston or Dolly Parton towards God saying, I will always love you and I will always follow you. But you know what? Rather than um, what Tina Turner or what Hathaway or Dolly Parton or Whitney Houston have to say about love, regardless of the millions of other people who have written songs or books or all the other different things that have to do with love, I think the one authority that we really go to when it comes to understanding what has been called for us in our lives towards love and the way to think about love and the way to operate in love comes specifically from God's word and even more specifically from Jesus's mouth. And so we're going to actually start um, beyond the humor. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to jump in and see what Jesus has to say about love. And if you have your Bible,
Bibles, you're welcome to open those with me. We're going to be reading verses 34 through 40 of Matthew chapter 22. And if you have notes, it's in there as well. And it says this, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, they were trying to catch Jesus in this. They were trying to say, okay, you're so smart and you're so wise and whatnot. Out of all the 400 plus laws that are out there, which one's the most important? Why don't you tell us? And here's what Jesus says in all of his wisdom. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Out of the 400 plus laws and things that were written for the Jews to follow, Christ himself says every single one of those hangs off of or is built fundamentally and foundationally upon these two things. The first one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, which he says is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I think as believers and as people that may have engaged with Jesus for any length of amount of time, in your heart, you resound with that. There's something inside of you that resounds with that. You say, amen, that's what we're called to do. That's what God has given us as a challenge for us to do. But in your heart, too, you also recognize, and even you don't even have to be a believer to feel this way. You don't just say amen in your heart. You also say, oh, man, in your heart, because the reality is to actually do this is far more difficult than to just be commissioned and say, okay, you know what, Jesus, you told me to do that. You wrote this in your word. You said it with your own, your mouth, with your, with your own mouth, and so I'm just going to go ahead and do that. Well, it's one thing to take a stance and say I'm going to run after that, but it's another to actually live it out in your life. You know, it's one thing to value that, to believe it to be true, to know that Jesus said it with his own words, and to, to recognize that the greatest thing that you can do in your life is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and next to that, like the first, is to love your neighbor as yourself. But how many of us, many times when we walk away from church and many times when we go into our lives, we do very much the opposite of that. We walk away from, um, maybe not away from, but we walk into life many times neglecting the two most important foundational things that Christ has said are the things that we are to operate in our lives from and through. And so as I think about this, as we jump into this idea of a burning love series, we recognize that love has many definitions. Like I said at the very beginning, love is a very broad understanding. Love has many different um, facets to it, if you will. Love is an emotion, but love is not just an emotion. Love is passion, but love is not only passion. Love is a feeling, but love is not only a feeling. Love is active, but sometimes... Love can be passive, and it needs to be. Love is a state of the heart. Love is a choice. Love is so many different things foundationally and fundamentally that it becomes one of the hardest things, I think, for us to actually even fully grasp and understand what God has called us into. God has called us to do. Jesus beckoned us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then when we unpack that word love, we recognize that this is a very big thing that he has called us to. This is an incredible challenge that will take a lifetime yes. for us to even begin to understand what he's really actually called us to do. Yes. And then from our love for God, he's called us through that to love other people. Yes. 
I think it's amazing. I think it's, it's an incredible challenge for us as believers. And the reality is, is when I think about love, and specifically when we think about burning love, you know, the burning love that, that uh, Elvis Presley talked about, that hunk of, hunk of burning love, the only way that I can describe what's going on inside of me when it comes to feeling that way towards God and hopefully eventually that way towards people, when I think about burning love, I realize anything that burns requires a fuel source. Okay? So follow me on this. I grew up, and I was a Boy Scout, and in Boy Scouts, there's like two things you learn. You learn how to build fires, and you learn how to tie a whole bunch of knots that you'll never use if you're not a fisherman or if you're not looking for creative ways to tie your shoes. And so growing up as a Boy Scout, one of the things that they teach you to do, and specifically at Boy Scout camp, is to make fires to build bonfires, not just little bitty piddly fires. You're talking about big campfires that eventually turn into big bonfires. You're like burning full trees in these bonfires. And the reality is, though, as a little kid, whenever you start to build a fire, you just want a big flame real fast. But as you grow and you mature, you recognize the reality is, is in order to get to a big fire, a big roaring fire, one that you can roast marshmallows on, one that's going to last for hours and whatnot, it requires a process. In fact, the way that I wrote it down is uh, you... you uh, building a fire, and specifically a Boy Scout, one, Boy Scout camp, one of the first things that they teach you is that building a fire, a good fire, a lasting fire, a roaring fire, one that burns hot and bright, first requires patience. And if you can have patience, and you make sure that everything that you do is on purpose, you don't just accidentally arrive at a big bonfire, you have to purposefully go after it. And if you have perseverance, sometimes you got to fight through it. It doesn't always turn out exactly the way that you want the first time, but you got to fight through it. you got to work towards it. Eventually, you'll get to a place where you will have a roaring fire. So the way that you're taught whenever you're a Boy Scout is that you initially start with burning paper. Because paper burns really fast, really easy, and it's really, to catch on, really easy to catch on fire. Right? And so you, you get a wad of paper and you put it down and you light it on fire and eventually that paper burns. But if you just left that paper to itself, it would eventually burn up very quickly, consume itself and go out. And so eventually, in order to mature that fire, in order to build that fire and establish it into something far greater than that, you have to move from just burning paper to putting what's called kindling on it. And so that could look like, you know, little twigs, little shavings of wood, you know, something that burns a little bit slower, a little bit hotter, um, and, and you're really kind of growing and maturing that. And eventually, you start building this fire up to something to where you're, at some point, hopefully throwing big logs onto that fire. Logs that, once they catch on fire, are the ones that eventually you can kick back, and you can kick your feet up, and you can roast a marshmallow. You don't have to worry about tending to it that often because it's roaring, because it's blazing, because it's hot, because it's going to last for a long time. And when I think about this and the analogy of building a burning fire a burning campfire, I think it very much is the same way for what God has called us to do when it comes to a burning love for him. A burning love for him. In fact, this weekend, what we're gonna be talking about at all of our campuses is finding our fuel sources for building and maturing and establishing burning love for God. So follow me along with this analogy when it comes to uh, building a campfire and how this also comes uh, and, tran and translates over to what it means to building and establishing burning love for God in our lives. And I think that the first fuel source, what I would call the fire starter, 
The, the first thing that you burn, it burns very quickly. It burns, you know, it's very real. It's the thing that initially ignites that, which hopefully one day will become a huge fire. But the first fuel source that we believe that all people need to have is the understanding of that you are called to celebrate the benefits. When you celebrate the benefits of a relationship with Jesus Christ specifically, you add fuel. You actually start the fire in your heart and in your soul of what God has called you to do when he says, and specifically in his word in Matthew chapter 22, when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, the burning love that he has called us to in that place always starts with us understanding that we need to celebrate the benefits that come in relationship with him. It's the starting point. It's the flame. It's the first thing that happens. You know, love starts quite often specifically with emotion and positive experiences. This not only is a, a love for God and love in relationship with Jesus, this is also love when it comes to other people around us. Most people that you are in a loving relationship with, whether it be a marriage, whether it be a friendship, whether it be um, some other kind of relationship that maybe you have in your life, um, you're gonna recognize that there's something fundamentally there that benefits you uh, because of that relationship. There's something emotionally positive uh, that there's a blessing for engaging in that relationship. You know, if you're in a relationship, and all of us have probably been in one of these types of relationships, a relationship that's draining, a relationship that there really seem to be no positive benefits in that relationship, it's one that you eventually kind of try to push out of your life. Not all of them can you actually fully push, <clears throat> excuse me, fully push out of your life, but there is the reality that um, when there are not benefits in a relationship, it is a very uh, uh, short-lasting desire for you to be in the midst of that relationship. But when you come into a loving relationship, those relationships are full of positive emotions, positive experiences, positive blessings on both sides. You, as you engage in that relationship, there's a positive uh, benefit that you give to being in relationship with that person, and it's reciprocated as well. That person gives you positive benefits on the other side for being in relationship with them, okay? So that's, that's just in the natural world that we live in, but here's the reality. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus, it's very much the same way. Christ, when we engage with him, the benefits that come on both sides of the issue are huge. In fact, I believe that there is no greater joy in the heart of Jesus than to engage in relationship with his children. Christ's deepest desire is that you would engage in relationship with him. And when we engage in relationship with him, it blesses his very heart and soul of who he is. Christ is not just the son of God that was sent to earth. God is not just this, you know, kind of being that sits up in the clouds and, you know, is very distant from us but he is very real. I believe he has emotion. I believe he has feelings and he has passion. And that all is fueled by a relationship with us. Well, on the reciprocated side for us, there are incredible benefits that come to us by being and engaging in relationship with Jesus. And I think one of the greatest places that we can find those benefits outlined in one place is in Psalm chapter 103, verses one through five. It's a psalm that David wrote, and it's awesome. And you'll never read it the same way. You may have read this psalm a million times, but you'll never read it the same way after this weekend, I hope, because here's what it says. David says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and this, 
and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Did you hear that? Did you hear what David's saying? He's saying, listen, when you engage in relationship with Jesus, he doesn't just give you salvation. He does give you salvation. But as believers, so many times that's where we stop. We stop at that benefit and we say, thank you, Jesus, for what you have given us in salvation. But Christ is saying, he's beckoning and he's calling his children to fan the flames of their soul and of their heart and say, you know what? Forget not all of my benefits, not just the benefit of salvation, but don't forget the benefit of the fact that I am the healer of your diseases. Don't forget the benefit that I am the one who redeems your life from the pit, that I am the one who places a crown upon your head, a crown of love and compassion, and that I am the one who satisfies the very desires of your souls for good things so that the youth and the vigor that you once felt would be renewed. What incredible benefits that we get when it comes into relationship with Jesus. It's the initial fire starter. It's the thing that maybe you felt once before when you first engaged in relationship with Jesus. It's the thing that burned very real, very bright, even very hot. But unless we're willing to mature that fire and to grow that fire, just like starting a fire with paper, eventually it'll go out. And the benefits just aren't going to cut it anymore. It's not just about the benefits. It's not that you lose the benefits. It's not that salvation is taken away from you. It's not that heaven's doors are closed to you. But it's that God has called us to something far more mature and far greater than just celebrating his benefits. And we understand that we have to move and transcend beyond this place. But first, I want to ask you the question, do you first believe this? Do you believe that our God is one that would give us so many great benefits by just engaging in relationship with him, because he does, because he will. And if you don't, and you're not experiencing that, then I just wanna encourage you and challenge you that you need to take time to know, to study, to enjoy, and to celebrate the benefits that come from a relationship with Jesus Christ, because they are many. This list in Psalm 103 is not just exhaustive, but celebrate the benefits that come through Jesus because it's the initial fuel source in our lives that will begin to create a roaring flame that God has called us to. And as that flame develops and as it matures, we gotta start putting what I would call the kindling on the fire, okay? So we move beyond just celebrating the benefits of relationship with Christ. And eventually we have to get into a place where we recognize we celebrate his benefits, but we also have to renew our mind. He's called us to renew our mind. And when we renew our mind, we add fuel to the fire. We put on something that can burn longer. We put on something that burns as a fuel source for a, for a longer amount of time, increasing the heat, increasing the passion, increasing the integrity of the burning love that's in our hearts. And when I think about renewing our minds, I think about the, the battle, the age-old battle between nature versus nurture. Okay, so you guys have heard this, this battle. Is it nature? Is it the way that, is it your DNA? Is it the thing that you've been born with that is more beneficial to your life 
in making you successful in certain areas or, or, or really encouraging you um, in others to, to be what you can be? Or is it nurture? Is it what you've learned, what you've been taught, how you've been raised, all those types of things? Is it, is it nature versus nurture? And, and it's an age-old debate that nobody's ever come up with an answer with, but I think when we talk about relationship with God, it's a very easy thing to understand. There's, a, there's actually a very easy answer to this, and I think about this. Um, it is both, but here's the reality. When it comes to nature, who you are, from your DNA, when you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you have been given a new nature. You've been given a new nature. Christ has written his name across your heart. He has changed your eternal destiny. He has opened up the doors of heaven and in your natural self, the things that you could never earn, the things that you could never deserve, the things that nurture, no matter how hard you work towards or whatnot, could never provide, Christ gave to you in a new nature by just engaging and accepting what he did on the cross for you. He renewed your spirit. But on the other side of it, we recognize that there is a whole other half to this battle. And it's not just a renewed spirit that we're called to live life with, but we're also called to live life with a renewed mind, the nurturing of what God has called us and commanded us to do in our own lives. A renewed spirit comes from God. It's not something that you can do. It's not something that you can achieve. It's not something that you can earn. It's not something that you can buy. It's something that's given to you by Jesus. But a renewed mind is something that you will have to fight for for the rest of your life. But it's also what God has called us to do in order to add fuel to the fire. You see, a renewed mind is one that recognizes and realizes that even if I experience positive or negative things in my life, God desires to use those things for good. Even if there are painful things that I will experience, and it's not even an even if, I promise you right now, I will tell you, I'll be the bearer of the bad news. You will experience painful, difficult things in life, and will you allow those through the renewing of your mind to increase your love for God and faith in Him? Or will you allow them to be the water that's poured on the fire and put it out? A renewed mind is the one that thinks like Christ, that believes that all that He has said in His Word is right, and all that he has said in his word is true. And no matter how much this thing right here between my ears tries to play tricks on me and tries to lie to me about those things, that I will believe what he has said. And what he has said is that he is a God of blessing. That he is love. That his desires and his plans for me are perfect. That what the enemy intends for evil, God plans for good. That what Romans 8.28 says, if you have your Bibles, it's not in your notes, or write it down, it says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. I read that, and if you have a renewed mind, there's something inside of you that says yes, and if you don't have a renewed mind, there's something inside of you that says, I don't know if I believe that or not. It is a renewed mind that allows us to believe that and operate in life that way. It's a renewed mind that allows painful and positive experiences to both be fuel in our burning love towards God. In Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9, there's a parable that Jesus taught. It's the parable of the barren fig tree. And it says this, And he told this parable, A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. 
Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if, I should bear, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Okay? So there's this tree. There's this tree that's not producing fruit. A tree that seemingly from the outside looks like it's, it's done. It's just taking up space. And so, so the guy who owns this field says, hey, you know what? Let's cut this thing up. You know, let's take it out. Let's dig it out. Let's get it out of here. It's not, it's not very valuable. It's, it's not producing the fruit that it's called to produce. And the person, the guy who is the one who's in charge and the one who's responsible for nurturing these trees says, hey, wait, 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 wait. Give me one more shot. Give me one more year, okay? Because what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to dig around this tree and I'm going I'm to put fertilizer on it. Okay? And, and that fertilizer, I, I believe, is going, going to, to get into the root system of that tree, and it's going to provide health to the tree, and eventually providing health to the tree, it's going to provide fruit on the branches. It's going to be good fruit. So give me one more year. So the, the vine dresser says, okay. Well, we don't hear the end of the story, but here's what the moral of it is. If the fruit in your life, the things that you're experiencing based upon the actions, the words, the deeds, the state of your heart, if the things around you are not going the way that you want them to go, if you're experiencing bad, rotten fruit, it's not because you're a bad, rotten person. It's because many times what you have fed yourself with is not with a renewed mind. You've allowed the lies of the enemy. You've allowed the things of this world. You've allowed all the other uh, things that come in, the, the, the stuff that shouts very loudly at us from the world to come in and to penetrate into our mind and to fertilize, if you will, our heart and soul. And when we allow that stuff from the world to come in and to penetrate and to be the fertilizer that eventually gets into our heart and gets into our soul, it changes the words that we say. It changes the actions that we participate in. It changes the way that we feel and act in all things. And so what this parable is saying is, say, hey, hey listen, you need to have a, a renewed mind. You need to be able to rightly filter everything that comes in here, only allowing the good things to be pressed down into your heart and to your soul to fertilize your very soul and your very spirit. And when you do that, it will take some time. But when you do that and you have a renewed mind, the renewed mind is the good fertilizer creating good soil for a good tree that eventually will produce good fruit. But good fruit only happens when the tree is good. And a good tree only happens when it's planted in good soil. And good soil only happens when it's fertilized. And to fertilize, it takes hard work. God has called us when it comes to a burning love for him into a place of renewing our mind. And renewing our mind is not an easy task. It is hard work, but it is what he has called us to do to grow in the love that he has called us into. You know, I think about it this way. I think about it when it comes to the difference of the Denver Broncos on November 15th versus January 24th. You guys knew I couldn't leave the Denver Broncos out this weekend, right? <laughs> November 15th versus January 24th. And you say, okay, those of you, I'm going to test you right now, you know what the difference between those two dates is. November 15th, what was it? Do you guys know? Week 10 of the NFL. What happened? What happened on that game? Nobody wants to say it? You're not going to jinx us. Don't worry. Peyton Manning played the worst game of his career. 
not just the worst game of the season, not just the worst game with the Denver Broncos, Peyton Manning played the worst game of his career. He threw five interceptions and he injured some planter or something or other in his foot. And ultimately, he lost for the first time since he was a sophomore in college the starting quarterback position on any team he's ever played on. November 15th looked like things were dead and dried up. It looks like the Denver Broncos needed to go back to the drawing board. They needed to get ready for the 2016 NFL draft, and they needed to just look forward to next year. But you know what happened? Behind the scenes, what they did was they allowed what was a very negative experience, a very difficult thing, specifically Peyton Manning, allowed pain in his life to be a fuel source for what he knew was possible. He filtered out all of the media. He filtered out all of the things that were fed into him that said, you're dead, you're done, you're, you're a wash up. You might as well retire. Why did you even come back? He filtered all of that out and he renewed his mind and said, you know what? I can do this. I was created for this. And through hard work and through rehab and through really maintaining the right heart and motive and understanding and coming together as a team, we can do this. And guess what happened? January 24th, Peyton Manning took the field. And we defeated the New England Patriots. We didn't, we didn't just defeat the New England Patriots. We humiliated Tom Brady. We got ourselves to the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning got us to the Super Bowl. This guy who was called a wash-up, one who had nothing left, came, stepped back out on the field, and said, you know what? While you guys have been doing your deal and posting this and doing that or whatnot, I've been working hard. I've been renewing my body. I've been renewing my mind. I've been doing everything that I can to step back out on this field, and guess what? He came out a winner. And here's where this correlates, that God has called you to do the very same thing in your life. He has called you to be a winner. He has not called you into this relationship and into life to just lose. And yes, you will have difficulty. And yes, you will face things that will be struggles, things that people even around you will tell you are the things that will end up burying you. You may even feel in your spirit there's something here, but I don't know what to do about it. And a renewed mind says, okay, it's time to rehab. It's time to take time feeding yourself with the right things. It's time to work hard. It's time to move forward. It's time to push out all the other things of life that aren't life-giving, that aren't fuel, and move forward because I've called you to win. And then when you step back out on that field through a renewed mind, God, I promise you, when done in the right way and out of love for him, God will change the outcome in ways that you could never even imagine. I bet you most of you, you got so frustrated. Some of you maybe broke your television because you threw your remote at it. Or maybe you turned the television off. But most of you did not believe on November 15th that today the Denver Broncos would be in the Super Bowl. I didn't think so. I'll tell you that much. What are you actively doing to renew your mind? How are you pursuing that? 
And we get to the last place, and this is, the, this is probably the most mature place, the place where we start throwing logs on the fire. And I don't have a whole lot of time to talk about it, but ultimately it's the place when we grow in our depth of love to God and we try to see this thing burn bright and hot. God has eventually called us to a place of allowing the fuel source, the logs that are thrown on the fire to be the biggest ones, being the, the willingness to, excuse me, to burn the ships. I'm going to invite Pastor JJ up here. And by burn the ships, here's what I mean. That you recognize that when we engage in relationship with Jesus Christ, when we enter into a relationship with him, what he has called us to do, and I recognize that this doesn't happen right away at the very beginning, but in a mature relationship with him, what he has called us to do is to sever ties with all things that are not running towards him. All things that don't point us in that direction, all things that don't encourage us in relationship with him, all things that are hooks in our back that prevent us from running full speed towards him. He calls us to burn the bridges or burn the ships so that there is no way back. In fact, in God's word, here's how he says it. In James 1, chapter 5 through 8, it says this, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. When you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. That you've burned the ships. You're not, you don't have this backup plan. You don't have this other investment just in case this one falls through. That when you ask him for anything, that you make sure your faith is that he is the only one that can fulfill what you're asking. Do not waver for a person divided with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Whew. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in all that they do. But those who have the roaring, mature flame, the burning love for God in their hearts, they have both feet in relationship with God. They recognize that when they engaged in relationship with Christ Jesus, it was not as a contractual uh, agreement. It was not, I sign my name here and God, you sign your name there. And as long as you fulfill all the things that I've put out in the list of parameters here and I fulfill all these things, we're in good relationship with each other. And if that doesn't work out for any reason, then I'll go this way and you go that way. That's a contractual relationship. You enter in, and engage in those. If you, you buy a car or you, you rent a house or any of those kinds of things, you sign your name on the line. But what you have engaged in when you have entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ and into a burning love with him is that you've entered into a, not a contractual agreement, but a covenantal agreement with him. And when you enter into a covenant, covenants don't have clauses. Covenants don't have outs. Covenants don't have backup plans. And what God has called you to do, because he's done it for you already, he has called you to say, you know what? Burn the ships. Sign the covenant. And say, you know what? God, I'm yours regardless. I'm yours forever. Through pain, through difficulties, through joys, through celebrations, in this covenant, I am yours and I'm running after you. I'll tell you what, when you can get to that level of love for God, the burning love, that's when there is a roaring fire in your very soul that will change your life from the inside out and that actually will give you the ability to do what he has called us to do in loving the world around us. It's the 
only way that you will really be able to fully succeed in what he's called us to do. But you know what? Because Jesus called us to do it, we can do it. He didn't just commission us to something that he thought, well, I'm gonna tell them to do this, but ha, 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 they can't do it. No, he has called us into something very real that he believes in you on, that he will empower you in and give you strength and courage to follow through. Where's your burning love for God? What's that fuel? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much that, God, you're just awesome. It is awesome to engage in relationship with you. It is awesome to know that you first loved us, Lord God, and out of your burning love for us, you gave everything. You withheld nothing. And the least that we can do in our lives, Lord God, is to respond back to you and say, you can have our lives, you can have our minds, you can have our hearts, you can have our spirits, Lord God. And it may not be an easy road. There may be ups and downs. There are going to be bumps, Lord God, but you can have all of us through the process. And God, I pray that there is a challenge and a seed of challenge planted in the hearts of every person in this room, myself included, Lord God, that we say we answer that call. We add fuel to the love that we have for you, Lord God. And I pray that you would begin to mature and help us develop that fire. That for many of us in this room, once, once that fire burned really bright, but maybe it's gone. And I pray that you re-impart and reignite, Lord God, and bring back to life that which may feel like it's dead. And Lord, for those who feel like that they're just paralyzed, that they may be part of the way down this path, Lord God, I pray that you would just help encourage them. Say, all you gotta do is one piece at a time, put more fuel onto that fire. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. But God has called you to do that. Father, for all of us, we desire to mature in that. And we say yes to all you've called us to and all you've challenged us to. We love you, Lord. We say thank you for your many blessings and the life that you've given us. We pray these things in your precious and your holy name. Amen.